podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network. This is Coogan Cassius for IFL TV, proudly sponsored by Everlast. Do you know what I just noticed? What? You told me to get here at 2.45. I got here five minutes, yeah, five minutes early and I literally just saw you creeping out the gym. So clearly you had a little workout and all that. games here. Yeah, absolutely. That's why I look. Like, last time you come in here, I don't know what happened, but I went from like a solid 10 to like a 6, and I, I don't know what happened. And now I look rough again. So, Do you think you've ever been a solid 10? Mate, as of late, I'm more than a 10, I'm a 12. The levels are unbelievable. The new serums being applied. Do you know what I mean? Barnet's still a bit thin, but we move. And uh, no, I'm all good, mate. Just trying to pump some weights. You know, because I lost a load of weight and Dillian White told me that I was, I look pathetic, just a skinny weasel. So I'm trying to lift weights, which I hate, right. but I'm trying. Do you want to get some guns and all that? Yeah, I've got terrible arms. I always, I've never had any muscles really. So I'm trying to, trying to gain some on the gains. Okay. Um, what's going on with your hair? Well, what's wrong with my hair? Like the mullet at the back. I know. That's kind of my thing, isn't it? By the way, when I talk, you should put the mic in front of me. All right, bro. I was like, the mullet, and you were like... Yeah. Yeah, I I feel like the mullet's longer. Maybe I'll try a mullet. Yeah. Might accentuate the receding bar. I've got a great hairline. You've got a great hairline. Do you know the one thing? Like, I'm I'm doing all right. I wish I had a better hairline. Like, and like a real nice... I saw a picture the other day of when I was like, I don't know... 13, my hairline was unbelievable. It was literally there, and it was like solid square. Like, it's so far back now, it's unbelievable. Yeah. Can't have everything, can you? Can't have everything. <laughs> um, no offence, but are you, still, are you still promoting shows in the UK? Ooh. Mate, I'm going to say something. Two months is probably the longest period you've gone in a long time yeah, with no UK show. Uh, oh, to be fair, Sky have done two shows, but BT have done one with... Yeah, so ours is Saturday, and it's a fucking barnstormer. Let's have it right. Wood v Lara, unbelievable fight, great undercard. Going to be... We've got like a couple of hundred tickets left. I think it will be completely sold out. It's a hell of a fight. So, yeah, we were going to go Jan 28, but as you know, I don't like to clash with UK shows. So um, that was better be of yard, so we couldn't go there. Feb 4th was our Madison Square Garden show. That was, I don't know if you know... We did two undisputed fights on a, on a show at the Mecca of Boxing. And then now we're going to Nottingham this weekend. And then we've got, obviously, uh, February 18th. And then we go, we've got nothing next week. Then we've got Mexico the week after. Then we've got Liverpool the week after that. Um, then we've got Newcastle the week after that. Then we've got week off. Then we've got the small matter of Anthony Joshua against Franklin. Then we've got Jesse Rodriguez, fantastic card in San Antonio. Then we've got, obviously, we're just working out the Sheffield show, 15 or 29, because of Fury and Joyce and how that's going to lie. Um, and then moving into May, we're going to have at least another card to be announced in May. And obviously, hopefully, Canelo against Ryder. Uh, oh, sorry, April 22nd, Cordina Rackham. By the way, April is an unbelievable month. Um, yeah, so basically, when you put our schedule down on a piece of paper and compare it to everybody else's, it ain't even fucking close. I'm not being funny, but I will. Sometimes you've got to just let people know what's what. It's, it's like, write everyone's schedule down on a piece of paper and then write our schedule down till the end of May. 
It's, it's bizarre. That could be your Shrek. Eddie Hearn, raw. It's bizarre. And then do a funny like gif of me going. I bet you used that, didn't you? <laughs> yeah, no, I'm excited. Um, it's been a good week, actually. After MSG, which was unbelievable, just flying around in meetings and Ireland yesterday. Ooh, Connor. Ooh, friends with Connor. Mate, let's just, let's just put Ooh, this... Ooh, McGregor. Right, okay. If you got two minutes with Connor McGregor, right? I have. Go on, carry yeah, on. But you would be like a dog with two dicks, right? You'd be unbearable. Talk about me. And I, listen, I don't mind saying it. The guy's a legend, right? One of the great fighters, MMA fighters of all time. One of the great self-promoters. One of the great characters. And yes, I was a bit of a fanboy yesterday. And I did have half a pint of Forge Irish Stout, which, by the way, I, I really recommend. Don't mind you replaying this, Connor, to push your brands. Um, and it was, it was a great meeting. Listen, I'm not, I'm not too big not to be in awe of people, you know. I don't mind... I saw you around Evander Holyfield in uh, yeah, Saudi. But, no, but that was because he was so shocked to see me and he was so humbled to see me, he actually froze a little bit and almost... Like, from the outsider... It, it probably looked like he didn't know who I was, but he was just in awe. I was thinking, do you know, like, yeah, I always no thought you, always you and Jake Paul, like, when you promote, I always think that's a good little blend for, a, like, a promotional powerhouse duo. But you and McGregor, imagine you and McGregor were actually promoting a show oh, together. Yeah, wordy. Mate, he is, I mean, he's all action. In the ring and out of the ring. I mean, he's a million miles an hour, but he's so full of energy. And he's very passionate about things. Like, I mean, obviously, he's very passionate about Katie Taylor bringing a big event to Ireland. But actually, just the way he talks about boxing, the way he talks about mixed martial arts, the way he talks about his business, his brands, different territories. Like, I was pretty... I mean, again, not just to, like, like bow down to him, but we went to the Black Forge, which was his, the pub that he bought. Unbelievable food off the chain like and everything he's done to the highest level and um yeah it was pretty pretty cool to spend a couple of hours with him and you know talk about his thoughts and you know he's genuinely passionate about katie taylor he, he loves her she thinks she's amazing and, and bringing her to ireland we'll talk about katie taylor in due course um, let's talk about this week. Um, Lee Wood. How refreshing is Lee Wood? Like, his attitude. This, this it's is, a shame he ain't, like, five, no. six years younger. But people, and rightfully so, a lot of the time, people like to moan about boxing matchups, right? I've got to say, this is a bizarre matchup. Like, you've got this guy, Maurizio Lara, who... You know, whether Josh Warrington was unlucky and it was a little bit of behind closed doors and it was a little bit about just the whole situation. But this guy comes really from nowhere in Mexico. Everyone knew that he had potential. Everyone knew that he was a big puncher. And what you've got to understand about Mexican boxing is you get thrown into fights last minute because you can't get an opportunity like outside of your weight class and you get beat. So Lara comes into that fight with a couple of defeats. So on the outset, you look at the record and say... He's all right, as did Josh Warrington's team. Said, yeah, we'll have him. You know, he's a good fighter, but we think we can beat him. So he comes over and, and just, like, puts in a wrecking ball performance. And everyone goes, quite honestly, fuck fighting Maurizio Lara. 
right? That is the general conversation. And you know, we, we always, or promoters generally take, get the blame. When you put a fight to someone, like if I went to Lee Wood and Ben Davison, which I did with names, I didn't even, I didn't even, I'd love to take credit for this fight. I didn't even really push Maurizio Lara because I thought they'd say, absolutely no way. I actually thought Kiko Martinez would be a good fight. This was the first time, remember when it was called off last year, and this time. So I said to Ben Davison, oh, what about Kiko Martinez and Lee Wood? And he went, what about Maurizio Lara? And I was like, you having a laugh? He goes, oh, it's a bigger fight, isn't it? Bigger money. And we think it's just as dangerous as Kiko Martinez. Like, we, fa we fancy we can beat him. I'm like, I, I mean, when I phoned Maurizio Lara's team, I don't think they could believe it. Right? So they see something in this fight where they're very confident they beat Maurizio Lara. The reality is he is nearly a three-to-one outsider to win in his backyard in front of 8,000 fans in a voluntary defence. Right? Sometimes you take a voluntary defence because someone has massive commercial value and you're almost providing them with the opportunity and someone's paid mad money. Joshua against Charles Martin, great example, right? Where we paid, that was a voluntary defence from Charles Martin and we paid him a load of money, dangerous fight for him, but he thought he could win, but the money was out of control. This one, he just goes, no, I think I can beat him. I fancy the challenge. So whilst I have to take some credit because we got the fight made, you have to give this man unbelievable credit and his profile is growing considerably in British boxing but to the hardcores who like to criticise and again I don't, I don't mind that give him untold props for this because you, you want fights like this right and he picked him now if he was mandatory people go well he's mandatory there's nothing he could do to get away with it he picked him picked him it weren't, and it wasn't even he was under pressure from us or zone to fight Lara. He went, I want Lara. So I think it's a complete 50-50 matchup. I don't agree with the odds in the slightest, but you're gonna get an unbelievable fight. I don't know what's gonna happen. Lee Wood has unbelievable power, sneaky power at times. He can, he can flatten Maurizio Lara, and Maurizio Lara can flatten Lee Wood. It's gonna be a thriller. I hope, I hope it goes rounds, because if this goes rounds, you're gonna get a better fight than Conlon Wood. But this could be all over inside four or five rounds at the same time. Okay. Um, as the week goes on, obviously we'll dissect other fights on the card. But I do want to ask your opinion on how good you think Gary Cully is and could be. Gary Cully, I actually talked to, talked to some of the boys in Ireland about him yesterday. Gary Cully has been on the radar for a long time. You hear, it's a small world boxing, right? So you hear about talents, you hear about young fighters. And probably for the last four years, people who I respect in boxing have been telling me about Gary Cully. One thing led to another, did some other shows, couldn't sign him, tried to sign him, didn't sign him. And then we get hold of him, really at the most exciting stage of his career, when he's about to enter into the, the world top 15. Got a good fight on Saturday against a good fighter from New York, just coming off a good win. I think Gary Cully, while still has a lot to prove at even fringe world level, could be a real dark horse of the 135-pound division. And not even a dark horse, because he's going to start getting you know, the, the exposure. Big fight for him on Saturday. And if he wins that, 
he'll be in a big fight on the Katie Taylor card, which will be massive for him in Dublin. And he's a character, he's exciting, he's great to work with, he gets on with his work, uh, he's willing to, to fight any, any opposition. I'm very excited about Gary Cully. Dalton, yeah, I know, yeah. You've been told about Gary. We've had this conversation over the years, you know. He just sometimes just need, needs the platform, and now he's got it. Um, Dalton Smith in action as well. Again, uh, one of the most highly touted. Is he a prospect still? No. no. No, because, you know, prospect doesn't do Dalton Smith justice. Potential worldwide star. You know, and it's our job to hype fighters, and, you know, but that's how I see him. Um, there's prospects and there's, you know, he gets talked in the same breath. Dalton Smith, the way that we're going to move Dalton Smith is win the Lonsdale belt outright. And he has a, a good fight against Allington, who's super tough, by the way. It's not going to be easy. And then we want to headline him in April in a big domestic fight. And then I'm ready to see him move to European and, and fringe world level. You'll see in April how well we do at Sheffield Arena with Dalton Smith. There's a real cauldron of excitement in Sheffield about Dalton Smith. Kel's probably done now, you know, in his career. Kid Galahad, you know, all these names. Sheffield is a great fight city, crying out for the next star. With Dalton Smith, you've got someone you can get excited about. You've got someone that can compete at world level. And I'm excited about him, you know. And there's a lot of hype around a lot of fighters, and that's our jobs. But this is genuine hype. This is not someone that's... You know, this is someone that's got pedigree. People talk, you know, when you talk about Cully, these guys, they're not secrets, you know. People have been talking about Dalton Smith for many years on a GB circuit, you know, and it's, uh, this is the last time, probably, you will see him on an undercard before he moves out and just starts headlining and filling up the arena. And when we go in April with Dalton and, and Harper against Brackhouse as well, which is a big fight, we'll do big numbers there. And you, you'll be surprised at how big this kid's going to be. Obviously, as the week progresses, we'll uh, go into the specific fights on the card. But you can just run through the card for me now and yeah. let us know who's on it, boys and girls. Really good, really good card on Saturday. Obviously, Wood against Lara, massive fight. Dalton Smith defending his British title against Billy Allington. Um, you've got Chev Clarks in a really tough fight. He was supposed to fight Dex Bellman, who got ruled out due to medical reasons. Has a tough fight against an American opponent, which will be announced shortly. Gary Cully in a tough fight as well. Gamalia Fire back in a championship action. He's got a tough fight. Needs to win that fight on Saturday. And then the before the bell section. Some great young prospects. Um, Aaron Bowen making his professional debut. Team GB star. Massive ticket seller from Coventry. Janae Boston. When we talk about the Sheffield area. It's a, a star in the making. Kieran Conway comes back from the Ammo Williams defeat. Nico Leviars as well. Um, it's a really, really big card. I did say boys and girls, but there's no females on the card. Actually, quite bizarre. Which is five, weird. Five, yeah. But it's good though. Yeah. yeah, but it's not... We don't put females on it. We don't look at a card and go, oh, we must put a female on. As we didn't look at the New York card and say we must have five female fights. So that's just how it works out. And uh, yeah, all, all male action on Saturday night. Well, to track back to last week, obviously, big press conference, huge turnout uh, for Anthony Joshua for his fight with... Um, Jermaine Franklin um, yeah I, mean, I only spoke to Umar about this last week but yeah first time in what eight years that Joshua hasn't featured um, on a 
pay-per-view mm. as such. But um, when I asked him about it, he said it's all kind of worked out anyway, or whatever that means. And uh, yeah, I'm sure, yeah. yeah. What's the question? Well, the question is, I don't know, I was like just making a statement, but he, he was talking about that aspect of almost like a new chapter to his career now, yeah, in is. terms of a lot of things. It is. I mean, new broadcaster with the zone, um, no belt, which is the first time in, was it? eight or nine fights or something like that for the world championship. Um, new trainer, new country where he's training in. There's a, there's a lot of changes in the life and career of Anthony Joshua. Um, I think this is a really good fight. You know, I think you're always going to get criticism. The same people that said he should have an easy fight coming off two defeats to, to the pound for pound number one. And, you know, this ain't an easy fight at all, at all. Um, and I think it's a, a, a good fight for him to showcase what he's learning under Derek James, who's a fantastic trainer. I was really impressed with him. Everyone knows you know, he's trainer of the year. And I'm excited because there's people who just don't know. I mean, that's the reality. We don't know where he's at. I believe, I mean, physically, he's still in his prime. You know, mentally, sounds great. Um, from a boxing sense, looks fucking unbelievable. But April 1st, we'll see. And if he can go out and do a job on Jermaine Franklin, it'll be a good statement. If he, you know, he can't, if he struggles and wins, people will obviously criticise. Actually, if he, if he knocks him out early, people will also criticise. But it will be very impressive if he goes and does a job on Jermaine Franklin. And he's hungry. You know, I liked it. You know, I watched a lot of the stuff with you and Parsons and all the other stuff that he gave. Pretty raw, pretty honest. And I just feel like, this part of his life, this part of his career should be about him. He's given so much time. He's given so much to people. He's given so much to British boxing. Now's the time to be really selfish and just, you know, if, if it means doing less, if it means not giving your time as much, if it means not doing as much media, if it means doing less commercial stuff, if it means, you know, then do it because you get one last roll of the dice here, really. This is, this is it. This is the final phase of his career. Whether that's five fights or eight fights or ten fights, I've no idea. But as I always say, boxing's a game of snakes and ladders. And you're moving up that board and you get beat and you, you fall back down. And it's a long rebuilding process. So it's a very important fight for him April the 1st. Um, after the press conference, there were some comments he made there when I think it was a question from you about you know, what motivates him still and etc. And he, he made that reference to money. Um, it was picked up on quite a bit after the mm. press conference, almost people saying, oh, you know, that kind of uh, mentality about. But, I mean, what did he say wrong? I didn't think he said anything I wrong. honestly don't buy it either. Like, and I'm not even covering his tracks. Like, money's important. Of course he wants to make as much money as possible. He's fighting people for a living. He is a prize fighter. But I don't know whether sometimes, like he said that to not take pressure off where he's at, but I know what motivates Anthony Joshua. I've been with him for his professional debut and we don't always have to agree on stuff, but I'll tell you my opinion. He wants legacy. He wants to beat the best in the sport. Yeah, he wants to make money, of course, but he wants to regain his World Heavyweight Championship. And whether he tells you that or not, that's my opinion. And this is a young man still that he's a great competitor, great competitor. And like Canelo Alvarez and like those kind of people that have achieved so much, 
yet still want to go through the process of this sport. It has to be deeper than money. And it is, because you don't need the money. Nor does Canelo Alvarez. They do it because they love the sport. They love to compete. They love to fight. And he's the same. Eddie, do you remember before the first Alexander Usyk fight, there was a lot of question marks, people saying that he would vacate that title and not fight him, etc. Mm. Probably should have. <laughs> but I'm saying that it was kind of leading to my question. Do you think, in hindsight, that there's any regret about even taking that original fight from Anthony Joshua's perspective and where his career would be now without two back-to-back losses like that? I think it would be a pretty shit sport if every time a hard fight come out, you looked at a way to avoid it. And it happens a lot. Listen, if AJ and his team would have come to me and gone, look, no one liked the Usyk fight. You know, we were with, he was with Rob McCracken. Rob, Rob knew how good Usyk was. Everyone's seen it. But it's the, cha- it's the challenge. And AJ has never been afraid of a challenge. You know, just as much as Lee Wood should get a load of credit this week, AJ should get a load of credit for fighting Usyk twice. Like, he can fight anybody, anywhere in the world, and make a fortune. So, if he would have come to me and gone, listen... I ain't mad on the style of Usyk. I don't think it really suits me. Southpaw moves a lot. I think we should vacate the belt. I'd go, all right. You sure? He'd go, yeah. And I wouldn't have even, I would have gone, actually, probably quite a smart move, really. But he would ne- I would never even insult him by going to him and saying that. Because he would look at me and think, what, you don't think I can beat Usyk? It's like, and again, the credit that he's never got is for those kind of reasons. You know, I saw about uh, Talk Sport, you know, talking about, oh, Eddie Hearn, talking about respect for Anthony Joshua. Yeah, fucking respect Anthony Joshua. Trust me, because I deal with it day in, day out. He has never, ever looked for a way out of a fight. Like, even when we boxed Povetkin, by the way, people go, oh, Povetkin. When he fought Povetkin, he was a fucking handful still. It was a mandatory no one at that time wanted to fight Alexander Povetkin. And people, oh, yeah, sure. Trust me, go back. I'm telling you. And he was the mandatory. And it was like, oh, do you want to fight Povetkin? Yeah, no problem. He was still a novice. Like, he was pretty much a novice. Even like when you look back at potential mistakes, maybe it was a mistake fighting Andy Ruiz. And people will say, oh, you should be beating Andy Ruiz. Yeah, you should be beating Andy Ruiz. But we had three or four weeks. The Jarrell Miller fight had fallen through. Now we're fighting this other different style. We can't get sparring. But that's it. Like, do you want to fight? Yeah, I want to fight. These are the guys. Andy Ruiz, no problem. That's what AJ does. No problem. You know, if you said he's got to fight Usyk again next, he'd fight him again. So, I think, you know, and even like now, Otto Wilding, no problem. Like, with people we're talking about, Dempsey McKean, no problem. Philip Hergovich, no problem. Jermaine Franklin, no problem. Never like, ooh, ooh, ooh. And like, he's never, ever ducked a challenge. No easy fights, no gimmies, no gimmies. And this ain't a gimme either. So, look, you, you all know how passionate I am about AJ. I've got his back every day of the week. But I've got his back, not just because he's been a big part of the business and he's made me loads of money. I've got his back because I rate him. I like him a lot. I respect him. And I know all the conversations that have been had, whether it's Wilder, whether it's Fury, whether it's Usyk, all these people, the answer has been yes every single time. And it will continue to be yes. And when people talk about, oh, he'll never fight Wilder, he'll fight Wilder. Trust me, he'll fight Wilder. Fury, don't, 
don't be surprised. I, I don't know what's going to happen with this Usyk thing. He may fight Fury next. We'd be open for that fight. If Anthony, jo if, if Usyk doesn't fight Fury, AJ will fight Fury next in the summer. If he gets through, frankly. How about that? Stick that in your pipe and smoke it. He will. What are you doing? Giving you some fucking sound bites. No, 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 but I'm. Like, I don't. I have no idea whether Fury Usyk's going to happen. I can give you my opinion. Like, I was going to come on to that anyway okay. about that but situation. I'm telling you, if that fight doesn't happen, we will take the Fury fight, right? And he he will take that fight. He would take the Wilder fight. He'd take them all. But don't be surprised to see that fight in the summer if the other one don't happen, because that's much bigger than than the Usyk fight. Much bigger. So, just something I've been thinking about lately. Might be a little tinkle to George Warren, but we'll see. Just coming back to, um, obviously, a lot of speculation, especially has picked up over the last week regarding Fury and Usyk about, well, more specifically, where it's going to take place. It looks like Wembley's heading that front at the moment. What, what sorry, you I, I mean, look. When I make comments about this, everyone says, why is he commenting on it? The answer is, Coogan Cassius has turned up at my office and badgered me for an interview where he's hounding me and asking me questions. This is why I'm replying to this question. I don't care. I don't even really want to comment about it. But you're asking me and you want to hear my opinion. Correct. I'm, I've come here to okay. ask you a series of questions yeah. and that being and one that, of them. That is why I'm answering this question. Not because I've got a big mouth, which I have. Not because I want to talk about everything, which I like to do. But I'm just telling you, I will give you my opinion as someone that works in boxing. I'll give you my opinion as a fan, just like you or just like someone else wants to comment. And my opinion is this. Tyson Fury's asked for a fortune for the fight. Rightfully so. The Middle East have said, no, we're not paying that. If he's asked for that much money, there is no way you can do the fight at Wembley without taking a quarter of what you thought you might get in, in the Middle East. I don't know how much Fury fancies the fight. Again, just my opinion. Great fighter on a top pound-for-pound -pound fighters. He could make more money fighting AJ, fighting Ngannou, fighting, I don't know, these other fights. And the other problem is, in his opinion, which commercially is correct, he has much more value in the fight than Alexander Usyk, right? Now, when you talk about belts, when you talk about having to make an undisputed fight, when you talk about, you look at it and say, it's a 50-50 split. But, I'm not saying I know Tyson Fury, but if I'm Tyson Fury, or if I'm predicting what he might say, which is, he ain't getting the same as me. I'm Tyson Fury. I'm mega. He ain't mega. Without me, who is Alexander Usyk going to fight? And that is a very valid point. Because without Tyson Fury, Alexander Usyk is in a really, I say bad position, but in terms of financial. Like, I know what I paid Alexander Usyk for the second fight. 
and it was huge in comparison to the first fight. Right? If Usyk doesn't fight Tyson Fury, he will have to make a voluntary defence for probably close to a tenth of what he would make in a Tyson Fury fight. Tyson Fury is a good manipulator. He will be looking at this thinking, what does he call him? Rabbit or whatever he says. Middleweight, you really need me. You really need me. But the other problem is, and I'm just talking to you like we're in a pub, right? Usyk is a man of principle, right? He's not going to be bullied at the negotiation table. He's not going to be taken advantage of. He's not going to be manipulated. He would walk away out of honour and out of principle. And that is the truth of how what I think is happening right now. I can't see how the fight happens in England unless both are prepared to take much more than they hoped they would get for this fight. And, and maybe they do. I don't, you know. This still could be the biggest fight for Fury outside of AJ and Ngannou. But this is what I'm saying. If that fight don't happen, we'll jump in. Fury and fight, fight uh, sorry, AJ and fight Fury. And he'll make much more money than he'd get to fight Usyk. And he might think it's an easier fight. I don't know. So he's been very quiet. I mean, don't forget, when he called out Anthony Joshua, he said Joshua's got 24 hours, 48 hours to sign. He's not mention one thing about this negotiation which has been going on since December, yeah. two months yeah. and the reason that Tyson Fury couldn't fight Anthony Joshua on December the 18th was because he was fighting Usyk in February so it had to be November 26th or it had to be December 3rd but I don't know what's going on behind the scenes, just not try, trying to cause trouble I'm just giving you my honest opinion and that is what I think, Tyson Fury will be saying there is no way you should be making as much money as me in this fight. And commercially, he's absolutely spot on. It's how bad he wants that undisputed championship, which I don't think he's actually that bothered about. In your opinion, do you think there's a possibility that Tyson Fury fights anyway on this yeah, that's, look that's, like the reserve date of April yeah, 29th yeah, just, at Wembley? I'm just reading the same as what you're reading. Right. I don't know. I mean, I've, I've, I've got no idea what is going on in the conversations, but I'm just, yeah, it's interesting. Mm. Okay, um, right, moving on from there. Um, now I'll get a load of stick. For, you know, that, those clips will be everywhere. It's like, why is Hearn even commenting on this? Because Cassius comes around for the clickbait. Okay, well, swiftly moving on anyway. Did I, did I explain it? Do you, do you get what I'm saying? Of course, of course. I understand what you're saying. Whether you, what you're saying is remotely accurate or not, we don't know. But I kind of have to back that my opinion would be, would be, is more likely to be accurate than say, yours or a random's. I do do this for a living, but that is my opinion. You've never been wrong before. Edward, Correct. moving on. Um, Exciting signing by the time this goes out, which is Tuesday, yeah. Valentine's Day. Yeah, Valentine's Day around four o'clock. Uh, by the time this goes out, you are going to announce your new signing, which is expected. Mm -hmm. Hit me. 
Edgar Belanga, another massive signing for our US business, the zone in America. Um, Belanga, cracking prospect, string of first round KOs, great super middleweight, huge fan base in America, doing big numbers at the gate. Puerto Rican, wants to fight Canelo Alvarez. Long way to go for that. He needs two or three good wins in the division. Um, but very excited. It's going to be out, looks like, in June, Puerto Rico Day. Um, might even take him to Puerto Rico for his first fight, which would be wild. But this kid's a star. Cool. We, we turned up at a meeting. He had the mink jacket on. Manager Keith Connolly, who we've done a lot of business with, very good operator. And we're going to have a lot of fun with this kid. A lot of fun. Really good addition to our US stable. Very excited. Okay, um, do you know what? I'm just going to move this camera a little bit because you've gone a little bit in the old shade. Right, just a little reset, picking this back up. Um, yeah, an update on this proposed fight between Canelo Alvarez and our John Ryder. Um, closing in, got calls again this evening. Um, I think it's very likely that'll be the next fight for Canelo. It's just really down to Saul and Eddie Reynoso about where they want that fight to be. Obviously, there's been talk about a fight in Mexico, which would be incredible, historic. We know that he could fight in Vegas, obviously. It's the home of Cinco de Mayo events. So it's just a case of going through all that with a team at the moment and deciding where that's going to take place. But fairly imminent. Emirates? No, won't be in the UK. <laughs> oh, yeah. John Ryder's is a big Arsenal no. fan as well. Have you ever reached out to the Emirates about doing yeah, anything? Yeah, we really did... I went for a meeting at the Emirates. It's either Frotch Groves or AJ Klitschko. I think it was Frotch Groves. We had a meeting with the Emirates about potentially staging. Yeah, quite close actually, doing it. One day, one day. Um, update on Philip Hergovic and Andy Ruiz. Called for purse bids. Uh, the interim title doesn't normally carry purse bids, but we kind of um, exhausted negotiations, so kind of. Both teams requested purse bids, which I think are Friday the 24th or something like that. Um, good fight. I mean, I, you know, I'm surprised Wilder's not fighting Ruiz or vice versa, because that's a good fight as well. But we'd love to do the Andy Ruiz-Hergovic fight. And yeah, we spoke to Caller and, and the team, and we're, we're all in for that fight if they want it. Okay, obviously this fight's absolutely nothing to do with you, but I like your opinion on stuff, as yeah, I do. Opinion, What's your... Uh, take at the moment on the Javante Davis and Ryan Garcia situation oh, that's another one I, you know from from a bit some, like talking as someone from the business I just you know when Oscar comes out and starts slagging off Showtime and Espinosa and Heyman I just think don't do it don't do it because I know how they take things, you know, and they will pull the plug on the fight, just be out of ego and just, you know, and uh, it's April 15, it's like, it's closing in. I think unless we get some news this week, I keep hearing it's close, but again, I, I don't, I actually don't know. Um, great fight, great fight for boxing, I hope everyone can get it done. You love all these little situations that you're not directly involved in because no, you can just kind of sit back and just see. I mean, you know, with my vast experience in the industry, I've been there. And I know a lot, you know, I've made mistakes. I've, I've seen these things unfold. And it's quite interesting, especially in that situation, because I don't think, I don't really think team 
Javonta, not Javonta, but the networks and the people. I'm not sure they really want to do it. You know? But great fight. Hopefully it'll get it made. I'm sure you would have seen this uh, post that Conor Ben replied to from Fabrizio Romano, the football uh, correspondent who put a quote out from Pep Guardiola. I'm sure you would have seen that, that Conor responded to. Did you say that? I'll show you. Okay. Seen that? In England, everyone is innocent until proven guilty. This didn't happen, so blah, blah, blah. no, they're not Pep. Yeah, I mean... Listen, I think the Conor Ben stuff is like, I can't, all I can tell you is, we are waiting on the WBC. We've been waiting for a long time. And all the stuff, like, was it last week or the week before? It's imminent, it's coming today. We've been told it's imminent, but I can't really tell you any more other than the, until we get that, there's no point me really saying anything because, one, I don't know, and two, I don't know when it's coming. So I believe there'll be some positive news for Conor Ben, but until it comes, I, I just don't know. Are you still hopeful in previous comments that you said that he'll be back around April, May time? Yeah, I think Is that, May, May yeah. or June. May or June. He's ready. Like he's in camp now. And don't forget, by the time June comes, it'll be a, pretty much a year since the failed test. So we're all keen for this to get resolved ASAP, but. You know, we just we're just waiting. They've had the information since the beginning of December. It's March nearly in a couple of weeks. We'd like to get moving. Okay, uh, another situation that doesn't involve you in the slightest, but I'll ask you anyway. Uh, Chris Eubank Jr. Yeah. apparently has uh, activated his rematch clause, which is no surprise that no. they're going to get it on again. Yeah, I mean, I think it's a very tough fight for G We should have known really that Liam would win that fight. I always. Uh, Thought Liam would win, but I wasn't as confident as I should have been. But look, it's a big fight. I mean, Liam, Liam's had it off. Whatever he made for the first fight, he's going to make double, treble that for the second fight, coming off the big win. And Eubank's going to have a big payday as well. So at that stage in her career, there's no world title on the line. It's just it's a good fight with a big payday. And good luck to both of them. OK, uh, well, we are kind of closing off uh, in a second. Um, so, after your two-hour meeting, conversations with your new friend, he's not really your new friend because obviously you know him anyway, don't you? Old Conor McGregor. All this stuff on social media between you two about him finding the money mm. for what was needed for Croke Park, etc. Was that all just a little bit of whatever? What did you obviously discuss that aspect yeah, we, of... We, dis we discussed it. I mean, he wanted to know that the reality is, is to... Hire Wembley, and the costs associated with that hire is £400,000-ish, roughly, depending on the deal you do. At Croke Park, it's £1.2 right? You can dress it up how you want. That's the costs that we're asked to pay for by the venue. So it's been difficult to get our head around that. Katie Taylor, quite rightfully has a number in her mind that she would like to earn for this fight. It's a huge number, as does Amanda Serrano. And if we do the fight at Croke Park, we cannot pay the two champions what they want and deserve, and we cannot run a profitable show. It's very nice, people saying to me, just pay the money, Eddie. That's not how business works, I'm afraid. I'm not doing one of the biggest shows in Irish sport in history and losing money. It's ridiculous. 
So one of the problems is, is that on May the 20th, which is our TV date, you know, we're coming off the back of the AJ fight. Every month we need a flagship fight and coming off two massive months on the zone. May 20th is the day. On May the 20th at the Aviva, there is a big rugby match. And a lot of Ireland is already busy with tourism from that. So the government probably look at that and say, that weekend doesn't really work for us in terms of making an investment. So Connor wanted to know why the cost was so high. He understands it now. Um, he wants to know about how he can support the event with his brands and support Katie Taylor, which is very nice of him. And he wants to talk about how we can find a way to take Katie to Croke Park if May the 20th is not an option. Time-wise, May the 20th is almost impossible to go in, speak to the government, make the difference. It's not just about Conor McGregor saying he's 800 grand or whatever the difference is. It's got to be a, like some kind of brains to it. But what Conor wants to do is with us is work together to bring Katie to Croke Park in September if we can't do it in May. I am not prepared, as I said to him yesterday, to lose another year of Katie Taylor not going to Ireland. Because we were supposed to go to Ireland last year, it didn't happen. And if we're in the three arena, which by the way will be unbelievably epic, it's what he said to me, he's fought there. He said it's one of the best atmospheres he's ever been a part of. The old point, which was the O2, is now three arena. Then that's where we'll be. We're still talking, but we want to bring Katie Taylor to Croke Park. And she's made it clear, she wants Chantel Cameron. She wants Amanda Serrano, she wants Chantel Cameron. You've got Alicia Baumgardner, but that, I think Chantel Cameron, which we're negotiating with the moment for that fight, is the fight for September. Now, she has to beat Amanda Serrano first, which is going to be very tough. But there's huge fights for Katie Taylor in Ireland, and we will go to Croke Park. Um, it has to make sense for everybody, including Croke Park and the government. Um, but Katie Taylor's next fight, as promised, will be in Ireland, and full details are out soon. I mean, May isn't actually that long away now. That's like We're halfway through yeah, February. We're nearly, we're nearly in March. Yeah. We've got the press conference coming up in a, in a week. Like There's a lot of conversations to be had if we're going to progress there. Um, so it's likely we'll be in the free arena. But with plans ongoing to talk to the government about a weekend that would work for them to support in September so that we can potentially do the Cameron fight at Croke Park. Okay, Edward, appreciate your time as always. We look forward to uh, a very interesting week in Nottingham. I'm sure Nottingham, is it, what arena is it? Nottingham Arena. Nottingham Arena. Frotch Butte, Wood Conlon. What did it used to be called? The Capital. Capital no. FM Arena. Now the Motor Point Arena. Yeah. We have got a couple of hundred tickets left and I believe we'll be sold out. But if you haven't got a ticket yet, make sure if you're in Nottingham, you come to this show. It's going to be epic, unbelievable atmosphere. If not, tune into to Zone. We'll be up there today and then the tomorrow the workout. Everyone welcome. Friday the weigh-in. Everyone welcome. See you at the show Saturday. Eddie Hearn, we'll see you this week and uh, yeah, good luck, old boy. Thank you. Sports Social Podcast Network.